0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio.
2: This is the Cruise Control Podcast here live in New York City, Tuesday night, February 9th, 2016. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Mr. Jamal Crawford, guard of the L.A. Clippers. Jamal Crawford, what's up, my man? How you doing?
1: I'm chilling, man. How you doing?
2: Doing good, man. Uh, You know me. I I live in New York. It's getting cold up here. Uh, I thought we were going to have an early spring. It's like 40 degrees out here. It's cold out here, man.
1: It's freezing out there right now, man. (laughs) One thing I don't miss. I miss the seasons, but I don't miss how cold it is. We're in Boston right now, so it's freezing out here, too.
2: Yeah, man. I know you're in LA, you get like seventy five degree weather Christmas and everything. I I'm jealous, man, for real. <laughs>
1: yeah, don't be jealous though. it's wonderful, but you like to have the change up. You know what I mean? Just to appreciate the seasons because if it's sunny all the time, you know, you don't want to take it for granted.
2: Exactly. Uh Jamal Crawford, NBA LA Clippers. He's on Twitter at J Crossover. So, um let's get let's get right into it, man. We got All Star weekend coming up this weekend. I I, I wanna know what's your plans for the All-Star weekend, some some players go on vacation, they go out the country, some lay low or just want to heal up on some injuries. What do you have planned for the All-Star weekend?
1: I'm going home. I'm going to Seattle. Uh, you know, for me, that's always like my safe haven. and I get a chance to rest, relax, and, and see my family and friends. i don't get a chance to see most of the year. And I think when you do that, you know, it, it re-energizes you. For the second half of the season, for late push, you know, I'm gonna still be in the gym regardless. But after I handle my business with that I'll be, you know, spending time with friends and family I haven't seen since the
2: summer. Now, you know, th- there have been many times to me that I can count that you should have made the all star team. And I I'm not I'm not just saying that because you're on the show, but quite a few times when you made, you know, the sixth man of the year award, I'm like Jamal Crawford should have been an all star. Um, how many times do you feel deep inside that you should have been an all star?
1: To be honest with you, I think the, my first year in Atlanta, I was averaging 18 at the time. We were third in the East, and we got two guys. We got Joe and Al, but I thought we could have got one or two more, because our record was so up there. And, um, like I said, I was averaging 18, but I was a six man. And then the last six men to,
2: You were on the um Sirius XM show, um that, that I heard today and then you were talking about how that, you know, if you were to be in an all star game, that you have nine moves that nobody has ever seen before that you would have pulled off in the all star game. Uh can you elaborate what kind of moves we could have seen from Jay Crossover in the All Star Game? <laughs>
1: You know how, like, when, when T-Mac did the one-off-the-backboard move and everybody was talking about it? Okay. Like, it was like, okay, that was the move, you know. I could easily have done nine of those moves. And for T-Mac, that situation, it didn't necessarily have to be the perfect situation, but a lot of things had to go right to come through the lane and, and be able to do that. You know what I mean? Just throw off the backboard and just dunk like that. But uh-huh. I could pretty much do any one of these moves with the ball, you know, so it could have happened anytime, at any time down the court.
2: Okay, so now, quick question. I You cannot pick yourself. Who in the NBA do you feel has, like, the best crossover that, the or, or the best handle right now currently? Not not including uh, you.
1: Yeah, not including me. Uh, well, I think Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. And I think Chris Paul has a mean handle as well. And, I, obviously, I see him every single night. So, people may say I'm biased. But, it, okay, mm. I take him out because he would take the bias, you know, thing uh-huh. out of there. I would say – uh, Kyrie and Seth but I think
2: Chris is right there as well. I think one one of the uh, of the best moments I've seen you do um, I, I think it was in Chicago you were with the Knicks and you, you put the ball in between your legs so you came from the right hand side put it between your legs to the left hand and did the quick behind the back I forgot who was guarding you um, Aaron
1: McKee, I and- <laughs> think that was my first time doing that move. Like perfect example. Since you said that one, uh-huh. there's an actual. That was the shortened version. There's a longer version to that move that I only needed a millisecond more to pull off. But it had such a dramatic swing on that whole move, and I was gonna pull. I would have pulled that off in the All Star Game. Now
2: you good. know what
1: I'm saying, like moves like that, like that move. There's a longer version, it looks even crazier.
2: Now it's so crazy that every time, every time I try to play ball, notice I say try to play ball. I, I like basketball, but I, I ain't that good. But every time I try to do that move, it, it's always it's always a turnover, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, 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 it's weird because the move is not just like with the ball at your feet. Everything has to be in 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 tune with each other. You know, they all go hand to
2: hand. Right. So now, you know, we are in the middle of, um, or the beginning of All-Star Weekend. You mentioned Kobe Bryant earlier. He's in the 20th season of his career. Um, he's going to retire when the season is over. I know you were a big-time Kobe fan. You played against yeah, him that's many
1: times. Man. I can't even lie to you. Like, my whole basketball life, he's been in the NBA. So, mm-hmm. you know, even when the Lakers haven't been as good the last couple of years, you still, like, I want to see Kobe play because you never know what he's going to do. You know what I mean? So to see that team without him.
2: So now, you know, over the top of your head, do you feel like you have a, a, a plus a 500 record against Kobe or below 500 record against Kobe? Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: probably below because the Lakers was kicking our butts for years. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it may be below. But ever since I've been with the Clippers, you know, the, the record's been pretty good. So you may want to look that one up. It could be. About, well, I am. I am. 20, either way. Yeah.
2: Um, and, you know, the point I was going to make was, you know, you know how people on social media, they say, you know, some guys over the hill, wash, they should retire, you know, or they just had the haters on, on social media. But I feel like, you know, when Kobe Bryant does retire, a lot of people are going to really sit back and analyze and, and kind of feel like, wow, you know, that time has come and Without you know they can Without talk all the, all the stuff they want throughout the years and it's going to be one of the all-time greats not playing playing no more. You know, he'll still be around in the game, but just not having him on the court and teaching the young guys, you know, you know everything about basketball It's going to be like, like wow, Kobe Bryant is not in the league no more, you know?
1: Right, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, Kobe's polarizing. You know, he forces you to have an opinion about it, mm-hmm. whether you say it's good or bad. He forces you to have that, and that's, that's unbelievable in itself. You know, I think with Kobe, we'll never see another one. You know, I've always said he's this generation's Michael Jordan. You think of talent and work ethic and how driven he is and right. scoring ability and size and championships and all those things. Like, I know there's only one Michael Jordan, but in a different way there's only one Kobe Bryant as well. So I don't believe that we'll see anything
2: else like him. We're chatting with Jamal Crawford of the LA Clippers. Um, you guys are currently thirty five and seventeen, fourth in the Western Conference. You got a game tomorrow, like you said, in Boston. Um, you know, you, you guys played I think half the season with and without Blake Griffin. Um just kinda describe the first half of the season playing without Blake and you know, trying to get everybody back on track and, and healthy for the second half of the season. Well
1: the first half's been interesting. You know, obviously we made a lot of off season moves as far as getting our team together, uh, especially the bench, you know, and then uh, myself, Lance, Austin, Josh, Pablo, Cole, Wes, Luke, in a way, we kind of had to figure out how we were going to make it work, you know, and we were struggling for a while, you know, and then um, we kind of stumbled upon something as far as the second unit with Cole playing and Pablo going to the point and then me playing off the ball more and Austin playing off the ball more. We started winning a lot of games and, you know, Doc's Kinda like from the old school, as far as if something works, you I to stay with it, and then from that.
2: are a two-time six-man-of-the-year winner, and you're also a 16-year veteran. Now, when I say 16 years, Jamal, are you are you more like, wow, 16 years already, or do you kind of sit yeah. back and be like, man, yeah. I've been in the league for 16 years? No, both,
1: a little bit of both, but more like, wow, 16 years already, because it goes so fast. And Definitely. I am feel like I have so much.
2: Jamal Crawford, after the NBA, coach, executive, TV guy in the booth, commentator, ESPN, TNT, whatever it is, uh, player development. What do you think fits you the most um, your, during your post-NBA career? Well, I think honestly,
1: I have options just based upon the relationships I have, and mm-hmm. you know, keep my nose clean, not getting in trouble, trying to treat everybody with respect, whether they can help me with something or not. You know, I think I have learned a lot over the years through experience, and I think. Would be good, but I would really like to get in the front office. You know, I think I watch so much basketball and and, and putting teams together, being able to um, you know study the game and see what works with what and watching the game. Even to this day, if I'm not playing the summer, I'll go watch the LA Fitness and just watch the whole time. You know, I watch different guys and watch different things and pick up on different things. So I would love to do that.
2: Like I said, you've been in the league for 16 years. You came in uh, in 2000. We are in 2016. A lot has changed in the NBA, social media, sports. Um, what are some things that have drastically changed from before? And then you can kind of wish that you know what? I wish the NBA was kind of like this.
1: Um. Well, on the court, I'll say. It's-
2: My thing is this: How how cool is it knowing that we are in the whole social media age in sports? How cool is it that you know when when most people do a radio show, or podcast, it's usually a former athlete or somebody who actually works at the radio station or TV station. You got your own teammate JJ Reddick, who's still currently playing in the NBA, doing a podcast, and he has people like Steve Nash and yourself on. Um, I mean that that right there shows you how different um the game has changed has evolved that you can have your own current teammate having a radio show still in the NBA and having his own teammates on 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 his show
1: it has it really has and and just like people being able to drop an album just like randomly, you know, with no promotion, no nothing. Right. And they could just say it on social media. It's just unbelievable. It's take months of marketing to, to get the build up going. You know what I mean? Like it's changed everything. It really has changed the game. And I think it'll stick around because more people like it. It gives everybody a voice. It gives everybody uh power, a certain power so to speak.
2: Now who came up with that whole, you know, you gotta get to the locker room first before you Paul
1: dance. Pierce. Oh, Paul really? <laughs> 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 came up with, I don't know where they did that. I'm not sure they did it in Boston or in Washington or in Brooklyn or where. Uh. But he came up with it and with that, um, it's been crazy. It's been fun. though. It, it really builds Team camaraderie. Did you see?
2: I'm guessing as soon as that buzzer hits zero, you are zooming to, to the locker room, bro, yes. right? <laughs>
1: yes, I missed a couple, I missed a couple of interviews to make sure, to ensure that I don't, I don't have to dance
2: again. So who who has been voted as the best dancer from the Clippers? Well,
1: I was at first. You know, I know okay. it seems like I choreographed mine, so I was one of them. I was one of them, and I
2: You are from Seattle, Jamal. I I, I have not been to Seattle. Uh, It it is one city that I do want to take a trip out to soon. Um, But a lot of NBA guys are from Seattle. You you know, yourself, Nate Robinson, you know, B. Roy, Spencer Hawes. Um, What is it about Seattle and the state of Washington that that produces a lot of great, you know, NBA players?
1: I think the fact that we all stick together, we really do. You know, I feel like it's just the culture. I would go to different cities, and, you know, you would have one player over here. he would have his crew guys who would hang with, and another player over here, and another player over here, but they never really did anything together. So if Spencer Hall is having a camp, he knows we're all going to be there. If I'm having my pro-am, I know everybody's going to show up. If Nate is having an opening for Chicken and Waffles, he knows we're all going to show up. If is having his weekend, you know, he knows we're going to show up and support. And I think that's what it's about. The young, the younger generation is seeing that. And they know they can stick together as well. You know, you compete on the court. But after that, it's family. You know, and we're all pulling for each other.
2: Right. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I've never been there. Hopefully I I'll get a chance to go there. But can you describe the, um, the city of Seattle to someone like me or someone who's never been to Seattle? What is it like over there?
1: It's just unbelievable The people are nice. I think the first thing you'll notice as soon as you land is how clean it is and the air is so clean and crisp. Mm -hmm. And then the people are just really, really nice. You know, it's a lot to do. Uh, There's always something. People will speak to you out there on the street. You know, hey, how you doing? Hello. whether they know you or not. And it's a very, you know, welcoming type feeling. So just go in there. I always tell people
2: if you go there in the summer, you may move there because it's that special of a place. Right. Now, you know, uh, when I was growing up, Jamal, I, I, I grew up a Chicago Bull fan. I think majority of people uh, would say that d- during the, the whole M.J. Pippen era. Uh, later on, I became a Knicks fan, but there was one team that I always rooted for on the side, and that was the Seattle Supersonics. And I I, I wore the hat, I wore the Sean Kemp, Gary Payton jerseys, um, I've always been a fan of the Sonics. I had Sean Kemp on on the show about a month and a half ago, and I asked him the same question, like, you know, what is it going to take to have or have a discussion about having the Sonics back in Seattle and how vital it would be to bring basketball back to Seattle?
1: Yeah, I think it would be important. You know, it's, having the Sonics when I was coming up was just special because that was, those were my dreams, you know, so to be able to talk to a Gary Payton or a Sean Kemp or a Deadlift Shrimp or, you know, guys like that, and it, it made my dreams a reality, you know, and I think that's also part of our job right now in Seattle not having a team, to have myself and Isaiah and 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 Nate and Brandon and all these guys, you know, be around and be in a community because these kids don't have the the Sonics to look up to. So that's why I think having the pro-am is just as important. And I always ask the kids who they want to see, you know, whether it's a Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or Blake Griffin or Chris Paul or, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge or whoever it may be, John Wall, it's because these kids have only seen them on TV or on SportsCenter or playing video games. They haven't seen them in person. You know, always go seek out who the kids want to see because it's all about them anyway. I
2: I do plan on, you know, making that attempt to go to to the Seattle Pro-Am with my brother this summer. Um, Hopefully we do make time. But when I saw Zach Levine do what he did last summer – you know, that that thing went viral in, like, two minutes on YouTube and BallsLife.com, and and you just saw the crowd reaction. I saw a picture or a video of the lines trying to get in, going, going around the block, and it's it, it just phenomenal of, of the job you've been able to do with that Pro-Am tournament.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And, Zach, that kind of set the platform for Zach to get in the duck contest. It wasn't the ducks he got in the season. It was in the summer. Like you said, it went viral. And honestly, and we and him have talked about the ducks he did in the summer.
2: think it's a safe bet that Zach Levine is going to win a dunk contest again, right? I would
1: consider that a safe bet,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, true story, and, and this is what I, I tell people all the time, and again, not because you're on the show, but when people ask me when they used to, you know, know find out that I used to work for the Knicks, and I, I still currently do doing basketball clinics, when they say, you know what? the people during that time, like who was the coolest person? Who's the coolest dude you ever met in the NBA? Um, whether it's from the Knicks or anybody, and I always say two people. I say Steve Nash, and I say Jamal Crawford, and I, and, I, and I always put your name out there because I'm like every time I spoke to Jamal, it was cool, calm, collective. He's always down to earth, um, never disrespectful. He he's always in 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 a good uh, good mood, good manner, and I'm like the the work that he does off the court. In the community in Seattle, and the communities that you've been involved in for uh, all the teams you played for, you give back to the kids and everything. It's just like some of that stuff doesn't get out there, and some of the when it comes to pro athletes, a lot of the negative stuff is out in the in the social media and the papers. But some of the some of the good work does not get out there like you do. And like I said, the pro am, every time you give back to the communities, um, just how you are on and off the court. I just really loved and admired, And I tell people, if you ever get a chance to meet Jamal Crawford, um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: I appreciate that. And that means everything. I think, um, having those interactions with pro athletes as a child and and my dad used to work on like T V sets. You know, he'd work on different shows and I used to ask my dad what was he like or, what was he like and he'd be like, Oh, he was cool or now he was stuck up or he was arrogant. So I always knew if I was ever in a position where people looked at me in that way, how I wanted to act and how I wanted to treat people. And being a professional athlete doesn't define me. What defines you is how you treat people. Um, and how they receive you, you know, not just the person that you think can help you in life, but anybody, whether it's somebody on the street that's homeless or whether it's President Obama, whoever it might be, treating everybody the same, as equal as possible with respect. And I think that goes a lot further than just, hey, I'm famous. I'm a professional basketball player because that comes and goes, and that's not what life's about anyway.
2: Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some five rapid questions. I, I know I know you gotta go soon, but um, just give me the the first answer that, that that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. All right. I know you're a big Jay Z fan, so you know you might want to take your time answering this. Um, what are your top three Jay Z albums in order?
1: In order, I would say Black Album, Reasonable Doubt.
2: Okay, so help, to help you out, you, you have Black Album number one.
1: Yeah, ah, yeah I do. The Reason With doubt was dope as well, but the Black Album, he was just so refined at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, he was so good, he was
0: retiring. Right, so, right. Like, that, like he, he,
1: the Reason With doubt it took 26 years to make. The, the Black Album was like, okay, I can walk out and this is it. So I think, let me see.
2: Okay, blueprint one. He
1: has—he literally has three classics.
2: Okay, you know, you know what? I would—you know—it's tough too because volume one was one of my. No, I'm sorry. Volume two, Hard Knock Life, was always one of my favorite albums by him. And people was like, "Well, that—that's like one of his most commercialized." albums you know but every song was a single on the radio he made just right. about, uh every song had a video and it's the most um he made the most money all, you know doing doing that doing that album and i'm like well volume two hard,
1: hard knock life went out of this world that was like his first huge 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 right, mercury
2: so for me, Volume 2 Black Album and it's a toss up between Blueprint 1 and and Reasonable Doubt. I would hear everything I I would hear Black Album Volume 2 and Blueprint 1 more than Reasonable Doubt. For some reason I I, I don't know why but I think that w- that would be my 3. Okay,
1: Reasonable Doubt was crazy though. You need to listen to that
2: album,
1: again. <laughs> it was crazy like crazy crazy. <laughs> listen to that one again with him and Biggie Gear going and just him and Regrets. I actually seen Jay perform that in its entirety for the 10th anniversary in New York. And it was crazy. Like, you got you to gotta listen to that one. All right. Yeah, all I right. can't knock you. I can't knock
2: you. <laughs> um, what is your favorite TV show slash favorite movie?
1: Favorite TV show of all time is probably Martin. Favorite movie is probably Coming to America.
2: Okay. any Any reasons why?
1: Martin, he was just hilarious, and you know he could basically do anything on that show. He had complete freedom; he was in complete control. And watching his growth, Martin was on House Party. You know what I'm saying? So watching him go from that to being having the biggest like show was crazy to me. All
2: right, any uh, a famous person you want to meet but have not met yet?
1: Oh, that's easy, Andre 3000.
2: Oh, okay. Why why Andre yeah. 3000?
1: Of the way he looks at the world, and I honestly think like my game and how I am is very comparable to how he raps and how he is. I look at the world a little bit differently, like, and he the way he views himself and the way he goes about his business and does things. Like, people forget, Andre 3000 was dope before Hey Y'all. A lot of people caught on like, Hey Y'all, but the Outcast was already doing platinum albums, and the rappers always thought he was dope before that. You know what I mean? Like, right. for me, some people think attention when i got to the clippers like i was good with the knicks and with chicago you know what i'm saying like so it's just i see a lot of
2: comparisons speaking of the knicks how many times does somebody write you on twitter and say when are you coming back to the knicks (laughs) time.
1: it was worse in the summer but all the time
2: um is there a current player right now in the nba that reminds you of a younger jamal crawford
1: Sure, there's a current one right now, but there's one in college who reminds me of me. He's like a little brother. of me, DeJounte Murray at the University of Washington.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, so check him out on YouTube. DeJounte Murray. That's one that reminds me of me. But right now in the NBA, not not so much. I think Steph Curry a little bit as far as the way he dribbles and shoots off the dribble, but he's he's shooting it from dang near half court. You know what I'm saying? So that's different. But yeah, the way he shoots off the dribble is kind
2: of reminiscent. Of the moves, how many moves he does. So now I, I I also heard you on on JJ Reddick's show and you had this back and forth about your top four point guards ever. And you mentioned, correct me if I'm wrong, you you had Magic, Isaiah, Stockton, and Oscar Robertson, right? Yes. sir. Okay, so I, you know, we can play devil advocate. I'm vouching for why. Someone like Jason Kidd is not on that roster.
1: Not that he's not on the roster. I'm just not sure he 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 beats Magic to me or Isaiah or Oscar Robertson, and then John Stockton. He was averaging 13 and seven and 13 and eight when he was 40 years old. Like in year 19 or 20, he barely missed games. He didn't win championships, but he came up in the Jordan era. In the Isaiah era, in the Magic era, so only certain people were gonna win championships at that time. So I can't hold that against them. But Jay Kidd is great. I love Gary Payton as well. Right, um, those two, you know, may have been like in the next class for me.
2: Okay, yeah, I say that because Jason Kidd is my favorite point guard of all time. So I think if J.J. Reddick would have asked me that question, J.K. would have been number one. Plus, you know, I, I, I'm I'm 32 years old. I I did not see Magic in his prime growing up, and usually when I do these top five, top ten, I I tend to pick people that I that I grew up watching and I saw a majority of their career. So like when it comes to the Big O or Magic, I may not pick him because I didn't see them, you know, outside of, you know, YouTube clips. So, Jason Kidd to me, uh, would be my all-time favorite point guard.
1: Right, and there's nothing wrong with that. I can't fault you for that. That's why I didn't have Oscar one. Not because nobody won't ever average triple-double, but a right. standpoint, like, I didn't actually see him play. You know, I didn't see him play. I just didn't. But I respect what you know his peers say about him and the numbers. I still can't deny that. You know, so that's why I didn't have him one or two, but he's still up there as three for me.
2: Okay, so now I'll switch it up. Uh, your top four shooting guards. Who do you got? Oh,
1: Michael Kobe, D Wade,
2: and, and
1: I think I got to go with the logo, Jerry West.
2: Okay, all right. Now where do you where do you have AI at the one or the two?
1: He's so tricky for me, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. But I just don't know. But A.I. is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite players of all time. He actually was at the game last night when we played Philly. I didn't get a chance to see him, but they showed him on a jumbotron. And I still get, you know, chills and goosebumps even seeing this dude. So I don't know how I would even, you know, put him in there. But this guy averaged 35 different times. He let the league score four times. And... He had, like, I had 35 pictures on my wall of him in high school. Like, I think personally he had more of an effect on my game than anybody else. So I love AI to death. I just don't know where I would put him.